1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Don't be scared. Be prepared. That's the show you're about to hear. We're about to present to you a two-hour-plus-long live show all about not being scared because of this crazy pandemic, but things we can do to be more prepared for times like this and bad ones that will happen again in the future. This is a very positive show. We focus on life after this pandemic, the good things that are coming and how you and your family can be more prepared for the harder times. Uh, take advantage of the time that you have now. So I hope you enjoy this show. We're about to dive in. Don't be scared. Be prepared. This is a two-parter. You're about to watch the first part. The second part will be coming out soon. And if you're listening to the podcast, this is a video on YouTube, but you can watch the video or you can enjoy the entire program here on the podcast. Same program, just one has some people talking visually and the other you're going to enjoy listening to. Let's dive in. All right, we did it, everybody. We are ready to do the Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared show. This is going to be a fantastic show. We have so many really good guests lined up. We're going to be talking about so many things. I have to apologize, it took so long to get started. We are working out of my office, in the corner of my office, trying to do what we normally do on multiple computers in our live streaming studio, we're trying to do in the corner office, which it's pretty impressive, we actually got it to work. Like I mentioned last week, all our Pioneer content is all going to be free this month. Everything is going to be uh, just live streamed from YouTube so everybody can enjoy it while we're under quarantine or lockdown or whatever else we are we're in. So I want to tell you what really got all this started, this whole idea, this big thing that seemed like it wasn't even going to, to happen. And it all kind of started with a band. Any of you musicians out there, any of you... Uh, like to play music. I'm going to attempt to play a video for you right now. And then I'm going to tell you a little story how all this started, this whole idea for this show. And then we're going to dive in. We got really good guests coming on to talk about chickens, 
microgreens, perennial food forests. We're going to be talking about dealing with anxiety during scary times. We're going to be actually talking to a doctor about how we can stay healthy and avoid getting this weird virus and, and just staying healthy in general. Really great show. And it all started here. Oh, look, y'all. Elvis is coming. Elvis is here. Look, Elvis. He's here. Yeah, y'all remember Elvis. Oh, my gosh. He's back. He's back. He's in the Elvis. building. Oh, yeah. Where have you been all this time, Elvis? Well, heck, I've been learning to play the accordion. Yeah, that was pretty useless, wasn't it? Wait a minute now. Hey, we'll see about that. Well, the boys are not so close to roll with me. I bet you like to make it on the fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting the wild as a book. I'm in love. I'm all shook up, all hung. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my hands are shaking and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Oh, oh, what you say when you have such a look? I'm in love. I'm all shook up, all oh, hung. story behind that clip. So let me tell you how this all started. Are you feeling a little bit shook up by this virus? Uh, punny. This pandemic, it is, it's huge, right? And it's easy to look at some big, huge problem like we see right now and just feel like we're so small and we can't really do anything. Just like you stare at what's going on and you think to yourself, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a philanthropist. Uh, what can I really do to help people right now? I can social distance so I can sit in my house and not see my friends and family. And that's kind of like depressing and it, it can feel scary being helpless, right? The feeling of being helpless is something that can move us into a position of fear. I've been talking about this virus since I first heard about it for the last month and a half. I've been every Saturday having little coffee talks with uh, the audience and just talking about, you know, my thoughts on it and what's going on. And one of my videos I, I came across, I always read the comments after we make a video. I don't respond to all the comments, but I read them all. I'm always checking the comments just to see what the audience is thinking and how they're feeling. And I came across this comment, Bess's comment. I'm 71 and have respiratory issues. I should be worried about coronavirus. I'm not really. I'm concerned because I make a living as a musician and all my gigs have been canceled. I am a musician as well. I got a guitar sitting on the couch over there. I used to play gigs. Me and accountant Mike were in a duo together. And I just felt like, oh man, that stinks to be a musician who actually is like making a living uh, doing gigs, and now they're all canceled. How sad. And then Bess goes on to say, I no longer have income except Social Security, which doesn't even cover the mortgage. The threat to me is not that I will die of coronavirus. It's that I'll be homeless. What a mess. I think I'll go out and plant things in the garden. 
when I read that last line, I was super inspired by Bess because I thought, you know what? That's what so many of us should be doing right now. We should be saying, you know what? The world is a big, crazy place. Uh, you know, what can I do right now? Well, little things like going out into the garden actually can help, can help people. And, and then there's other things we can do. I, the wheel started going. It was a light bulb moment. We don't have to be a doctor helping people get better from this virus. We don't have to be a philanthropist with just a bunch of money to give away to people who need it right now. Uh, we can just all do little things to be more prepared, to keep ourselves home more and not have to go to the store more. And then in our communities, we can do more things to help each other with our businesses. A lot of us suddenly are finding ourselves without an income. What can we do? And that's when the gears started rolling. And so I sent an email out to Bess and I said, can you guys do a digital concert? Yes, they weren't sure how they were going to do it. But then I decided, you know what, we got to do a show that talks about not being afraid and more ways that we can help each other and be more prepared for this actual weird pandemic and for all things going forward. And that is what tonight's show is all about. If you think about the intro to home study, the intro to home study is kind of our, uh, the, if you listen to the podcast, you will recognize this. This is kind of the mantra, I think, for the evening here. Ready? Let's see if this will work. It's working. It's a little loud. Turn the computer down. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homestead. There it is. The world is a crazy place. You and me can each make it a little better. And that is what we're going to focus on tonight. Right now, the world is a crazy place. It's something most of us have never experienced in our lifetime. Uh, fair to say none of us have experienced this. It's happened on the world scene, but a pandemic that's affected so many people in so many different ways, this is pretty big. We're going to be doing whatever we can to make the world a little bit better through what we're doing here on our homesteads. And we have some great guests. We have some great music lined up. We have all kinds of really good things that we're going to dive into. Jack is going to be helping us out tonight. He is a moderator in the chat box. He will be adding links. Jack is from the YouTube channel, The Mindful Homestead. So go ahead and give them a, a check out during the show, after the show, whenever you want to go see The Mindful Homestead. Uh, Jack's going to be helping me out with a little technical stuff tonight. We are going to have a lot of things happening tonight. And Jack's going to make sure that if I drop the ball somewhere, he lets me know, hey, you dropped the ball. <laughs> but really just here to help us have a good show and uh, bring our guests in and out. And if you have questions in the chat box, Jack will be helping to answer your questions. So, Jack, thanks for being with us tonight <laughs> and during the technical No problem. Thanks for having me despite the uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> so what we're going to do... Um, we're going to first we're going to put on this video which is going to talk about microgreens. The first thing that we're going to talk about tonight when I was trying to think about ways that people who are feeling right now worried or scared projects they could get into that would help feed their families. The very first thing that I thought of was sprouts and we've been covering sprouting on our channel for the last week or two. We got another video coming out soon showing more about sprouting. Sprouting can get you food in two to four days. You can have sprouts to eat. 
The next thing you can do that's going to be about a week out is microgreens. And we have a video that we're going to share. Jack, you ever do any work with microgreens on the uh, Mindful Homestead? We have not grown our own microgreens. Uh, I have used them before in cooking uh, just as something to kind of spice things up and make things look good. Uh, Jackie is a big fan of sprouts. I'm a tolerant person of sprouts, I guess. Tolerant of sprouts. That's a pretty good... Uh... Not anti-sprout. I'm just sprout tolerant. This video we're about to watch, it was sent in. This was supposed to be live, but Jonathan got called into work. And he's one of those people, if you get called into work this time right now, you answer the call. So he was kind enough to film this video for us to show us how easy doing microgreens can be. So let's watch this and uh, go ahead and let me know in the chat box. Make sure you can hear it. Hey folks, my name is John Russo and I've been growing hydroponically since 2012. My background as an agriculture person goes back to my experience in the Stanford Regional FFA where I learned how to take my passion for growing food and turn it into a career path. Nowadays, I'm double majoring in sustainable plant and soil systems and agriculture and natural resources at the University of Connecticut. So today, I'm here to talk to you about how you can get into hydroponic growing with microgreens. Hydroponics is the growing of plants without soil. Usually, this involves a system where nutrient-enriched water is pumped straight to the roots of the plant. The main benefit of hydroponics is that it can sometimes double or even triple the yield and the growth rate of most plants. In the case of microgreens, you don't need nutrient solution as the seed itself and the photosynthetic process carries enough energy to take your plant from start to finish. And the beautiful thing about microgreens is that you can be harvesting after just a week. Hence why they are the perfect way to be prepared for anything. No matter what, with just a few things, you can have enough greens to fend for yourself in a pinch. So the things that you're going to need is a container with either plastic wrap or a lid. This can be anything from the black flats you can buy from the garden center to a container that you just had your lunch in, clean preferably. In my case, I bought these six quart containers specifically for growing microgreens. And going into my second thing you need is paper towels. Now, I bought this container because one piece of paper towel perfectly fits into the bottom of the container. But in the case that your paper towels don't fit, you can cut and fold as you please to get the thing to stay put. The reason that we have paper towels is because in hydroponics, you always have a medium, something to physically support the plant instead of soil. This towel will act as a medium for the roots to stabilize themselves upon and as a reservoir for water. Next, you're going to need a spray bottle with an adjustable head so that you can mist with it. What's up? Lastly, you're gonna need seeds. When you buy seeds, you wanna look for vendors that are selling them as microgreen seeds. You can buy the stuff by the pound, not by the $5 little pack from your right, local hardware store. Okay. Save some money, buy in bulk, because honestly, you're gonna need it. So here's our process. Lay your paper towel into your container, done. Wet it down real quick. We want this thing to be saturated, but there shouldn't be a pool of water in your container. Next, you're going to evenly spread your seeds. The spacing completely depends upon what you're growing. To dive into a little bit of plant science here, we have our monocot plants and our dicot plants. Our monocots are our grasses, and because it's one blade of grass, we can pack these guys tightly into our trays. With our dicots, we have two leaves to worry about, so be sure to space them a little bit to make sure nobody is smothering anyone. To repeat, monocots, we're gonna plant tightly. Dicots, we're gonna give a bit of wiggle room. 
after spreading your seed, mist everyone over one last time and cover your container. Be sure to check on your plant babies daily here and make sure that the paper towel doesn't dry out. After two to three days, the seeds should have germinated, so it's time to take our covers off and leave them off. The reason is, if we leave the cover on while these things grow, we're also gonna grow less desirable fuzzy things. No good. So, past this point, mist your greens once to twice a day, make sure that paper towel stays wet. Really, depending upon what you consider harvestable, you get microgreens. Just cut these things off at the base and toss the paper towel into your compost pile. You can look up recipes for the green that you grew, but you can do anything that you would with normal greens with them. Or use them as animal fodder in a pinch. Thank you, Oz, for having me on the show, and thank you, everyone, for listening to my lesson here. If you have any questions about microgreens or hydroponics, you can find me at fairfieldcountyhydroponics.com. That was awesome. Uh, comments box. Let us know who thinks John needs to get that YouTube channel of his up and going a little bit more. I noticed Vince watching. That's John's dad, Jonathan's dad. So, hey, Vince, thanks for watching. We went and actually interviewed Jonathan. This was years ago, back when we lived in Connecticut. We went and saw his hydroponic system at his house. I love that he shared microgreens because it's so doable. It's so simple, so easy. And uh, it's something that, I mean, uh, I think Dakota mentioned it in the chat box something that everybody could buy the supplies at the dollar store and do. Uh, so that was just really great. Thank you for taking care of us with uh, sharing that information there, Jonathan. If you want to learn more about microgreens, hydroponics, if you want to have a hydroponic system and you need some help with it, we have a link in the description below where you will find Fairfield County Hydroponics. That's Jonathan. If you're a Homesteady Pioneer, uh, he's a discount vendor for Homesteady Pioneers, so you can get a discount on uh, if you're buying a system from him or doing some consultation and that sort of thing. Uh, just uh, Jonathan always impresses me. Uh, the stuff that he, the simple, easy to do systems, uh, microgreens, something you can get food in just a week's time. And again, you're not going to grow all your food with microgreens. It's not going to solve all your food issues during this pandemic. But if you grow a bunch of microgreens, that's less times you're using up your other vegetables, less trips that you gotta take to the supermarket. More social distancing, you know, more staying at home and self-quarantining in. So that's all good things. We are now going to move on to talking about perennial food forest. So if you like growing little plants, you're probably going to like growing big plants. Dave has been my go-to guy when it comes to perennials, uh, planting fruit, planting trees. He's helped us out back at our Connecticut farm. He did the whole design for our six months of food. And I figured it was good to get him on here because food forests are one of those things that are something that you can rely on year after year. Yeah. So we grow fruit trees, berry bushes, and I mainly just propagate them, but I, I grow a ton for myself and for my family. We have four kids, so four hungry kids always trying to eat all the fruit you can you can put on the table. So turned it into a little business and we sell sell and ship fruit trees and berry bushes all over the place and make thousands of trees every year. And uh, just came here today to tell you guys how to kind of prepare and put some fruit in your at your house at your uh make a berry patch fruit fruit orchard whatever it is how small it doesn't matter uh dave why is 
why is why are perennials why are food forests fruit trees why are they such a good thing to put on a homestead for the preparedness minded homesteader those are really good things to put on your homestead on in your property um a pear tree an apple tree they grow for 100 plus years same with a blueberry you can get a blueberry that lasts 50 to 100 years they'll outlive you if you pick the right tree and um kind of what you're looking for is what grows in your location what you like to eat and what does best you know pest and disease wise and that's kind of how i choose what i like to plant um and like i said pears and blueberries and apples do great in in the northeast where i'm located and also where you're located um so those are kind of go-to's for my berry patch in my orchards and um yeah they grow in half the country as well or more than half the country so kind of a no-brainer for most people if they'll grow in their conditions but um a couple things you want to look at if you have a small space you can always uh find a place to plant i know if you have kids or a yard or, or a small yard um, you don't want to give up some of that space and i've been planting doing edible landscaping planting berry bushes near the foundation so ripping out those dogwoods and putting in something like a blueberry or another type of berry right in the foundation right right off the foundation of your house where you can just kind of steal some some space and don't have to go into the yard and take the kids or the dog's play space we got some pictures i'm assuming they're from uh northeast edible hq uh that i'll be sharing while dave is talking Uh, dave's showing that you don't need a farm to grow your own fruit and i like that idea of uh, ripping out, <laughs> ripping out those decorative trees and putting something else in. So, Dave, what kind of space does someone need if they're gonna put in even a little mini food forest? What you know, what size area, and where do they want to put this on their property? Just get yourself a little patch of, of ground. I've got a picture there that's 18 by 18, and that's one of our berry patches. And you know, a small space like that, you can you can put a lot of of plants in there, and you can. You can grow a lot of fruit, a lot of food, and a lot of fruit, um, and just a you know, 18 by 18 or 10 by 10 or 20 by 20, you can you can put a lot of stuff in there. So things to consider. I know every yard's not going to have 100% sun all the time. You might have a little shade, so you're gonna have to pick and choose what plants grow best in the vicinities um, or what you have. So if you have a lot of shade, you're gonna pick a shade-loving plant, something that'll tolerate. Uh, being in the in the shade for for twenty or eight hours a day and only getting four hours of sun, so there's there's plants that'll go that with that. Uh, and then if, if you have full sun, there's tons of plants to choose from, and you kind of just work with what you have. You know, not everything's going to be the perfect fit, but you can try it. If it doesn't work, you rip it out, or you go you go the route where um, you're going to start with something that you know will work something that you see other people growing in your area you go talk to someone local to you maybe a, a master gardener or someone who runs a, a small orchard or has, or has a backyard orchard and you see what they're growing and yeah you, you talk to them and see does this have a lot of pests if it does maybe go to the next thing that they're growing and look for something that doesn't have a lot of trouble and doesn't have a lot of pests and you try to grow that i love that advice i remember the first time we had you on the show dave you were talking about how uh, you do ship trees, so if people are interested in getting some trees from Dave, Northeast Edible, uh, you you can be of service to people. But you even said back when we first had you on the show, you wouldn't ship to everybody. 
because it doesn't make sense to grow everything everywhere. So that advice of looking where you are, making right. sure that it's a good good local source. So once you've figured out kind of uh, the trees to choose from, is there any ways to narrow it down to specifics, uh, things that, you know, dwarf trees versus regular size trees, bushes versus trees, any advice when people are trying to design that perfect little food forest, what they should look at? A couple things to consider. Uh, the size of the plant that you're putting in at maturity. So if you have a small space, you don't want to put in, uh, say, an oak tree or a persimmon tree that's going to get 100 feet tall and have a huge canopy and shade out your whole space. So you might want to choose a dwarfing tree or a, a, a larger bush, something that only gets to about 10 feet tall um, or a dwarfing tree that only gets to about 15 feet tall. Um, think about stuff like harvest time if you know you go away during july 4th weekend don't pick a fruit that's gonna always ripen all their fruit right at that july 4th weekend time frame um, you want to make sure you're going to be there to pick all the fruit you want to make sure you can reap that harvest and that's one thing to consider um, maintenance you don't want to pick something that's finicky that has has you devoting more time than is worth or more time that you can to, can devote to it. If you only have an hour every month to, to work on the, in the garden or on your fruit trees, pick something that's low maintenance. Around here, is, it's a pawpaw. Pawpaws grow wild here. They're basically trouble-free, no pests to speak of. You don't have to do any pruning. You just plant it in the ground, you water it the first year, and you don't really have to worry about it at all. So, um, you know, maintenance, fertility aspects, harvest time, uh, again, that light and soil aspects, weed control before you put the plant in the ground. You don't want to go just stick a plant in the ground and then just having to do all the weeding afterwards. You want to prep the soil first, uh, get rid of all the weed competition before you put it in the ground, and then you won't have to worry about too much after the fact. And if you want to see this, Dave has actually planted on our channel way in the past. He's, he's shown exactly the right way to plant the trees and the bushes. Dave, I'm going to throw one at you. So you you get to design the yep. perfect mini, let's let's do like a, what is the smallest space? Is it a six by six area? You could do a mini food forest. Yeah. So if you look at that picture that I sent with my daughter in uh, the blueberry patch there, if you pull that up. Uh, that's nine plants that's 18 by 18 and you can you can put you can put that tighter you can you can put this the plants in closer you can put more plants in there or do half the size of that but that those nine plants they'll they'll produce about 10 to 15 pounds of fruit each year um, in that area you can take out the middle plant you could throw a tree in there uh, kind of food forest-esque you know, put an apple or a pear or another self-fruiting uh, plant in there. And you can get hundreds of pounds of fruit off that small area. So that's 18 by 18. If that's too big for you, go six by six. Put three tree or three berry bushes and a tree in the middle. And you can put like in that in that specific picture, there is blueberries there's strawberries in between the blueberries. There's sweet potatoes. Best thing I learned from Dave was that ground cover in your food forest. When you're designing a little tiny food forest, you got one tree, a couple bushes, get that ground cover. Dave's got this kind of strawberry. Tell us about those ever bearing strawberries, Dave. 
Yeah, so this the seascape strawberry is a is an ever bearing strawberry. It grows in basically half the U.S. or more. Um, you get fruit basically June through September, uh, sometimes into October, depending on the year. But each plant will produce all year long. It'll produce you know not a ton of berries each you know each month or each week, but it'll produce about a quart or two quarts of berries per season per plant. Uh, so if you put in that space, I, we put 50 strawberries every year and we're getting about 100 to 200 or 100 to uh, 125 pounds of strawberries in that little 18 by 18 spot in between the rows of the berries. So in between the rows of the blueberries. That I remember how fun it was for our kids every single day. We only got to experience the food forest that Dave designed for us, we only got to experience it for one season because then we wound up moving. But I remember how much fun the kids had going out. We planted in the fall and that next spring and summer, we went and every day they'd go outside, they'd walk through and our food forest was specifically designed where we were every day, right by our chicken coop. We would go through, Dave knows. That happens. <laughs> yeah. So Dave, awesome advice for anyone. Here we are in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, you know, food on the shelves is you know not there as much as we're used to. Getting uh, food for our families is more of an ordeal. Now we're thinking about okay, ways to be more prepared. This year is it is it too late? Have everyone missed the boat? There's no way they could work on their food forest this time while they're in self quarantine home watching YouTube. No, no, there's still time. Um, right now. We were just breaking dormancy, and dormancy is when the, the plants and the trees start to bud out and leaf out. Um, and that's kind of the the very end of the season where people ship plants. You can probably go get some plants at your local nursery still. Um, but right now is, is kind of the time you want to get your plants in the ground and get them ready and, and in the ground before the growing season kicks off. Um, I, we're still shipping strawberries, but uh, this is probably the last week of strawberry shipping because the plants are all leafing out and they're, we don't want to kill them in, sh in transit. So other than that, all, all the plants are still shipping. So you can just at the buzzer get some strawberries from Dave. And uh, Dave, go ahead and put me down yeah, for as yeah. many as I can fit because I want some. <laughs> there you go. There you go. If you yeah, want. If, if, um, and if you can't get them from me, check, it, check out your local nursery. Um, a lot of places have strawberries that you can pick up and uh and but it's easier to if you can get them after they've broken dormancy you can get them at a local place the shipping will i'm i was joking but the shipping will will uh damage them once once they're leafed out it, you know you'll you'll have some losses so um it's better to better to get them local if you can right now if you would like to do a food forest, it's like Dave said, it's not too late to get started this this season. You can get started this weekend, tomorrow. Uh, Dave can help you. Dave, tell us what you offer as far as plants and consulting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we run the gamut of fruit trees. We're doing a lot of the berry bushes now. Uh, really, that's really taken off because people want that almost, it's not quite immediate return, but they want that quicker return, that quicker harvest. And, um, uh, so we've been doing focusing a lot on berry bushes, but we still do fruit trees. Uh, so yeah, we, we sell plants. Obviously, we can mail ship them to you, uh, but we also do consulting. It, you know, as we can, if you're local, we can come out to your your site, whether it's a yard or a farm. Uh, we also do orchard maintenance. Um, so we run the gamut of if you're looking to put a fruit tree in, 
we can help you decide which to choose and where to put it and consult you with planting it and uh, keeping it, keeping it maintenance, uh, keeping the maintenance up. Awesome. Dave, there is a link for Northeast Edible where you can contact Dave. If you're a Homesteady Pioneer, Dave is actually a Pioneer vendor, so you get a little discount from Dave if you are a Homesteady Pioneer. Uh, But everybody else, if you want to contact Dave, there's a link below where you can reach Dave. You can uh, ask him, you know, use him for consulting. We used him to design our farm's food forest back in Connecticut. And I'm actually was talking to Dave about this spring experimenting with like a, a drone consulting designing because he can't come out here right now but i could fly the drone snap a few photos have dave come up with the design and then ship me whatever we can plant this spring and then in the fall fall is a good time for planting stuff too so dave thank you so much for taking some time to share this with us and uh, we'll have to get you back on soon when we talk about designing our own food forest yeah sounds great thanks austin all right dave so go ahead and check out Northeast Edible. They are uh, Dave's in the link below. And if you want to contact Dave, you can contact him. You click on the link, you'll get to his site. You can email him or whatever else you need. We are now going to enjoy a little bit of uplifting music. The guest who started it all, Bess, you're here with us. Bess, tell us a little bit about this duo Hi. we're about to enjoy listening to. This is my brother, Mike, and we're called the Bess and Mike Show. And we've been playing music for longer than you've been alive. <laughs> uh, we kind of, um, you know, went our own ways. And now we're back together since we're a pair of geezers. We started before the Beatles, but they were actually a little better than we were. <laughs> well, we, uh, Bess is the one who really got this whole ball rolling because we were talking about how can we have a fun show, uh, get some music involved. Um, what is it like for you guys uh, on the horizon? Do you got any gigs lined up? Does it look like things are lifting soon, or are you still under kind of quarantine right now? We got nothing in Texas. <laughs> nothing in Texas. Nothing. I need to tell you. I'm going to spend my time gardening and taking care of chickens and hatching eggs. I, I love that best because it's a it's a good way to spend our time right now. If we can't you know if we can't get out there and do what well, we used to do, and we can do that. Well, you guys, I'm really excited to bring you on the show, and I just want to let our audience know, like any show where there would be live music, we have a tip jar for our performers, and I am going to ask everybody, these are, uh, these are our stars for the night, they're going to play some music, they're going to cheer us up. There is a link below, the digital tip jar, you can throw something in the tip jar for our musicians. They're going to cheer us up with their music and their performance. If you enjoy the music tonight and you'd like to help out... Uh, one of the ways we can help each other right now during this weird time, if we're not doctors, if we're not uh, you know, scientists, it's helping each other out, helping our businesses out. And Mike and Bess have an awesome, awesome show. They, got, they normally go out and do nice music live, and that would be the best way to enjoy their music right now. But we're all going to get to enjoy some of their music digitally. Uh, here we go with them. Johnny Cash, Ready? Three, four. Love is a burden thing. It makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire. fell into a ring of fire I fell into 
to the burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 the place for the pie. It burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We're doing 100 videos. This is just one of those 100 videos for 100 days in a row. 
all about growing your own food, feeding your family. That's what this entire show is about. And this particular episode was sponsored by Jason and Kristen Reynolds. Kristen wanted to join the camel train so that we could all help each other. And that's the whole purpose of this show and the camel train. She nailed it. She says, I think our journey started like so many others. Kristen started getting very sick and nobody knew why. She says she's fortunate to have wonderfully smart friends who helped look after her. They started to make the connection about what they were eating and how they felt and changing that, eating better quality food so that she could feel better. She says, when we grow our own food, harvest it, and then cook it, we know where our food came from, from start to finish. We know how important that is, Kristen, for the health of our family and for the health of yours. She goes on to say, unfortunately, food alone cannot cure my illness, but we are not going to let cancer win. Kristen, don't let cancer win. Keep up that fight. I'm so glad that Homesteady can be a part of it and helping with the food that you're growing and feeding yourself and your family. Uh, keep at it. Keep us posted. Uh, you're in our thoughts. And the, the whole idea of this show, don't be scared. Be prepared. We're Most of us are applying it to this pandemic, but you could apply that to your own situation, dealing with cancer right now. Being scared doesn't help anything. Negative emotions aren't gonna help us um, with, with this fight. Uh, so don't allow yourself to spend too much time being scared. Instead, focus on ways you can do better, which you already are, growing your own food, harvesting your own food. Keep up that fight and keep us posted. We wanna hear all good things from you. So thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of The Camel Train. Your Homesteady Camel Train t-shirt, one of a kind, is on its way. For those of you who are watching, you can't join the Camel Train anymore. It's sold out, but you can become a Homesteady Pioneer. Join us for the live shows like this one. Uh, you can join us for all the live show recordings. And you can't buy the Camel Train t-shirt, but you can buy this t-shirt, Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared t-shirt. It's got Homesteady logo on the back. You can order that from the Parsons Homestead. They're the one who do all our shirts. So click right over there to check out the Parsons Homestead. Uh, shop where you can find all the Homesteady swag. Thank you so much, Kristen and Jason, for sponsoring this episode. Let's get back into this entire program. A lot more good stuff coming in the Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared show. All right, so Jackie, welcome to the show. Everybody who has stuck around to this point with all the technical difficulties is a brave soul. <laughs> Maybe they you, are. <laughs> you can give me some extra advice on how to deal with anxiety when your show's not going well. <laughs> I think our show is going great. Just technical stuff. It's it's going great. It's All right, going great. Good. I Jackie, think it's pretty fitting that we're going to sit here and talk about anxiety. Uh, it's perfect timing. Like I can just relax now. Uh, Jackie, tell us about tell us about yourself. Tell us about you guys' channel. Uh, give us an introduction. Sure. So I'm Jackie Polner. I'm the other half of the Mindful Homestead, but a licensed psychotherapist here in the state of New Hampshire. And my specialty over the course of my career has been specifically treating anxiety disorders. Um, and during this time uh, that we're in right now, this has been an ever-present thing that people want to know about. And I think also in the homesteading community, it's something that can often be underrepresented um, as a part that we really have to pay attention to because we you know, often are go, 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 and we don't stop and slow down some. Um, we're always so worried about our animals or our garden or what's to come next. And sometimes we don't stop to think that 
also a tool that's actually on the homestead is our own worry. I want you to kind of stop and think about, okay, where would your homestead be without worry, anxiety, stress, fear, whatever you want to call it. I use those words interchangeably. It probably wouldn't be where it is, right? You know, think about, okay, it's springtime and I need to start planting my seeds or getting my chicks ordered or whatever else it might be. The thing that's behind all of that inside your brain is your worry. It's your fear, right? It, it's there to get us moving. The whole point of having worry um, as one of our emotions is that it moves us into action. It's step one, right? Think about everything that we do is problem solving in one way or another. And the only way that we get to that first step is to know that something is either wrong or bothering us. And that is exactly what worry and fear does. So I think this fits perfectly with what your show is all about in terms of being prepared, not scared. Being prepared is the problem solving, right? It's it's working through the steps and finding what you need in order to not just... Jackie froze, um, but it's such, that's such a good point is there is a purpose to fear. There is a purpose to uh, worry. Um, I know I would be, <laughs> I would be afraid. I would be worried uh, if I had not, if I was coming into spring and I didn't have some kind of meat chicken or meat rabbit growing on the homestead because I have loads of children to feed and cost a lot of money to feed these kids. That worry of how am I going to do this motivates me to order order my Cornish crosses or buy my meat rabbits. Um, so how can how can that worry and that fear turn into something that's negatively impacting us, Jackie? Worry is tremendously helpful, right? It's wonderful when it is working in the way that we want it to. However, for most of us, we very well know when worry turns sour on us and it becomes that pesky voice constantly in the back of our head nudging us. We call it in, in psychotherapy world the doubt factory, right? It constantly casts doubt of, are you sure? Are you sure you did that right? Did you plant those seeds correctly? Did you water them enough? I don't The doubt factory. I have never heard that. And that is such a good, oh man, that's such a good term. You're back, Jackie. You froze again. We're going to have some <laughs> okay, freezing good. issues, but man, I love <laughs> that. The doubt factory. Our brains, I know I'm, I'm of the two of us, Kay and I, we both can be worried at times, but I'm usually... I'm usually the doubt factory. <laughs> right. And we, so when we talk about that, like also I'm seeing it a lot within the news with everybody, right. You know, all of the safetyness, right. Of toilet paper and food. And do I have enough this? And do I have enough that that's everybody's fear and it's functioning, trying to help us prepare, but sometimes it, it goes overboard and, and that's where it becomes problematic. So what do we have to understand Jackie uh, to, 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 take away this problem that this can cause us, how do we, what do we need to understand first? I always often use the word mindful. It's of course part of our homestead name, the mindful homestead. Mindfulness means present and aware, being an observer of yourself. So I want you to think about being in your brain uh, like a guard at the palace gate, right? You want to be able to see and notice what am I feeling and something about it. All right, so everybody watching, we're gonna we're just gonna turn Jackie's video off for now because I think it'll help us get better quality audio, and I really want to hear what Jackie has to say. So can you repeat? Because you did break up a lot there. You were talking about how we have to understand how to plant seeds for the garden to work right, and applying that to our own uh, dealing with our own stress and worry. Sure. So I guess I'll just say what I said. Cause I'm not sure exactly where I cut off. So <laughs> so what I had said was first and foremost we need to step back 
and we need to be mindful of what our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors are. So just like we would be aware of what our animals need or our seeds need, right? We're observers of those things. We want, I want you to do the same thing with your mind, right? Again, we also often take for granted that our mind should just work and it should be able to go on autopilot. So being mindful is like being an observer. I want you to be like a guard at the palace gate of your mind, just like you'd observe your animals and your gardens when you know you have to observe and look and be mindful of them when do they need water when do they need food you know what's going on so again we often underestimate that with our minds right we need to be able to pay attention to our mind as well so the first step is to step back and be aware that is such a good um it's such a good like you talked about gardens so it's such a good illustration we would not plant a garden and then not make sure we're not keeping out the pests. You would not, if you planted a garden, you didn't put up a fence, you're gonna have problems, right? So with our right. mind, with our thoughts, if we just plant the garden and let in the pests come in, we're gonna have issues. So what can we do with anxiety? How can we uh, control this better? Yeah, yeah, so like I said, the first step is to step back and notice that. And then the next piece is to be aware of what's going on, right? So I want you to remember that anxiety comes in two forms. It's either noise and the background junk that I want you to ignore, or it's actually a valid signal that you need to do something. You want to first be able to identify, is it a signal and is it valid and I'm gonna problem solve and I'm gonna do something about it, or it's just background noise, it's junk and we got to kind of kick it to the curb. Is it that doubt factory, like I mentioned before? Uh, you kind of got to talk back to your worry, right? Your worry is chattering away at you, creating all of that doubt. And if it's really something that is not appropriate and not effective, we got to kick it to the curb and we got to get it out of here. Um, because if you, you sit in it, you know, or you just try to avoid it, that's what a lot of people try to do, right? They try to avoid it. And what we resist persists. Wow, that's such a... That's such a good tip. So you have to treat, I mean, we have, we can keep using this garden, right? If you have pests coming in and you just ignore them, that's not going to make anything any better. So what do you mean by talk back to your worry? Sure. So it could sound something like um, a lot of what I was doing before coming on here. Uh, <laughs> my, my daughter woke up from her nap, uh, very grouchy of all the days of days to wake up that way. It always happens. And it never fails. Yes, exactly. And so I very quickly noticed that I was having a lot of worry, but I noticed that it was a lot of that, what I was calling that junk worry. It really wasn't effective worry for me. I had, didn't have to problem solve for anything. It wasn't this worry of like, oh my gosh, you didn't prepare to talk to us today, or you don't have your notes together, right? That would be valid, good worry. It was that junk worry, like, oh my gosh, Emma's going to make noise, and then what are you going to do? And it's going to sound so bad, and <laughs> right? And that I knew, right? So what I said to myself is like, Jackie, that's your worry. Like, get out of here, buzz off. You know what you're doing. You've got this. You're a professional. You do this day in and day out. You know what you're talking about. And simply just identifying that I was feeling worry didn't get rid of my worry completely, but it turned the volume down. And I was able to be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'm a little anxious right now, but I got this. And that's okay. And so that's what I really want everybody to know is that, you know, right now, especially, it's really okay to be anxious. I don't want you to necessarily eliminate your worry. I want to go back to the gardening example, right? Think about those bugs that you mentioned to us. We don't always necessarily have to eliminate every bug, right? We have to learn how to accept some bugs and get rid of the ones that really are the pesky bugs. And so you can think about worry much like that, right? There's some bugs that can kind of hang around and they're not necessarily 
the best and you really wouldn't want them there, but they're not the ones that are gonna kill your whole crop, let's just say, um, to kind of run with that example. And so similarly with your mind, you want it to be the same way. When it's those really big, obnoxious worries that really don't have any problem solving there, we wanna get rid of them. We've gotta dump them really quickly um, or they're going to affect you more. Or like I said before, what we resist persists, right? So if you keep resisting it and trying to push it away, think of a pendulum. Really what I want everybody to do is focus on routine, right? Homesteads have routines, right? We get up, we do the same thing probably most days to some extent, um, physically active, get moving. It's wonderful for mental health and anxiety. Um, stay socially connected like we're all doing tonight. Um, taking care of yourself, taking time for whatever brings you joy and overall have a very positive outlook, right? Because guess what? Anxiety is a very negative outlook and it's going to create doubt and it's going to shadow you with tons of negativity. And so you want to try to pivot is what we say and go the opposite way and look as out as much as possible. Look to the positive as much as possible. There we go. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> I love that point about uh, the rhythm, the routine, sticking with that. One of the things for most of us, most of us uh, do have some form of homestead, some animals to care for. And I know for us, we have been very grounded by going out and doing the daily chores, getting, like you said, just getting going, getting outside. Yes. You have to go take care of your animals. So they kind of force your hand. You can sit inside and watch scary Corona news, or you can go outside and be with your chickens. Now, Jackie, yes. what do you do when you're outside and you're working with your chickens and then you start thinking about Corona? What could we do in that circumstance? Yeah, that's a great example. I We have a bunch of chickens here on our homestead, and I think Jack and I always laugh. It's our chicken zen for the day. We <laughs> often go out there, and we just watch them. They're such characters. And so if you are out working with your chickens and things are cool and you're feeling good and all of a sudden pesky worry comes in about corona or what have you, um, using what I was talking about is that first acknowledging that you're worrying, right? And step back and get perspective and then get mindful, right? Notice what are your chickens doing? We were outside the other day and we all of a sudden were like, what is that noise? And we turned around and there was a bunch of the hens all huddled up and they were all preening themselves. And if you got really quiet and really mindful, you could hear the little chittering of their, their beaks. I totally get, um, I get that taking a moment to actually enjoy being in the barn. And it is easy to let, you can let worry creep into your morning chores and your afternoon chores. Uh, but instead, just diving into the noises and the sounds. And just really, um, one of the things I'm working on right now with our camel is uh, I'm supposed to be, I, my camel homework for the week was to have camel time. So I'm supposed to be out there in the yard just letting the camel basically sniff me. <laughs> and yes, yes. That could be a horrible time of like, I spend 10 minutes and just think about coronavirus while a camel's sniffing me. <laughs> or it could yeah. be like a really relaxing, like enjoy your animal time. And I think when, when the homestead, when you first get your chickens, it's easy to be excited about them. But then it's just doing the chores and it's easy to let that drift. So what do you give us a couple, and maybe you already did, but you did drop out. Give us a couple tips on what do we look to, what can we prompt ourselves to try to enjoy while we're out there that'll help keep the, the worry bugs out? Yeah, um, I'll repeat myself. I'm not sure if you guys heard it or not. Um, so when you're out there uh, with your chickens and you notice worry creep in, right, that coronavirus worry or whatever it might be, um, to stop and notice that the worry was there, right? So step one, step back, get mindful, notice it, and then refocus your energy, right, in 
what are your chickens doing? What sounds are you hearing? What smells do you smell, right? Come on, <laughs> we are all in homestead, <laughs> things smell. Um, you know, but those are parts of being mindful and getting our body to redirect. Also, so let's talk about breathing real quick. It doesn't work for everybody, but a quick tip is what I call five, seven breathing. A five count in and a seven count out. Nice and slow out, so your seven count out. What that's doing is it's actually tapping into what's called your parasympathetic nervous system to get a little fancy there for you. And that's your natural emotion regulation system. That so slow seven count out taps into your central nervous system and naturally calms your system down. So I was saying, if it works for you, if you like breathing, cool, go for it. Some people hate it, so <laughs> you don't need to use it. <laughs> it just doesn't work for some people. The other thing you can think about is when you're in your garden or what have you, you know, it, it's called gardening therapy for a reason, right? You know, feel the dirt, you know, what does that feel like? Is it cold? Is it warm? How does it feel in my hands? You know, what's even just the fact of going out and looking what's growing in your garden is mindful. And what before then, as soon as you jump into the future, you're lost, right? So try to stay in the present moment. And your homestead is the best place for you to do that. What if, what if, what if thing, right? So the doubt factory and the what if thing. So watch out for those. I feel like this would be uh, – you could do a whole – I mean you could do a whole hour episode of how to just use your homestead as a tool to get rid of the worry. Uh, thank you so yeah. much for sharing these tips with us, Jackie. I think it's an important Absolutely. thing for us all to acknowledge, um, to be able to see both the good and the bad. There is a reason we have worry. There is a reason we have fear. It can motivate us to order our chickens. It can motivate <laughs> us to plant our seeds, which is good. It can also ruin our time in the barn, and that's where it's not good. And I, yeah. uh, I really appreciate the tips. Jackie, what are you guys doing? Uh, what, where can people find you and follow your story? We're at the Mindful Homestead. You can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We're up here in New Hampshire. It's still pretty cold up here. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on, focusing on our garden and our chickens. And we've got uh, six pigs coming onto the homestead pretty soon. So Ooh, keep that's up exciting. With me and Jack were just talking about the pigs the other day when Jack was on on our impromptu coffee talk. Well, thank you for uh, being with us, Jackie. Thank you for joining us with that, and thank you for those good the good advice. We have a lot of people in the chat box that are saying, get her back on to do a whole show when the internet's good. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. Sounds good. Uh, I, I do love those, uh, like the anxiety bugs in our garden. I thought that was such a good illustration that Jackie shared. You can find links to the Mindful Homestead below where you can follow Jack, our uh, moderator and helper for the night with all the stuff that we're doing here. Uh, you can find Jack and Jackie, their story, what they're up to with their family over at the Mindful Homestead.
So I bet you can guess what we're going to talk about next, uh, based off of that that fantastic video. I want to remind you that our musicians for the night, we have a link in the description below where you can put a little something in the tip jar for our musicians who have lost all their gigs because of this stinking virus. One of the things we can do to help each other right now is just support each other's business. Enjoying good music, enjoying good time uh, tonight. If you're enjoying the music we're, we're, we're enjoying all together, think about checking out that tip jar. That was a perfect transition uh, to our next topic, which you might have guessed has something to do with pigs. No, not pigs. We're talking to John. What's up, Johnny? Uh, life is great. <laughs> it is it's interesting watching the live feed happen and then <laughs> talking to you on Zoom and then seeing the lag between the two is just good. Oh, wait it's till really you leave good. the sound on and that echo loop like I did at the beginning of the show starts and you're just like, where am I? I'm in a bad nightmare called live streaming. You have, you have done a great job of holding it down and I want to give a shout out to everybody who has been uh, keeping it going in the chat and having conversation and reflecting and there is uh as i often find with the homesteading community there is a lot of support and patience and understanding because we're just making it happen they the internet is messed up right now because everyone is home and everyone is streaming netflix and um we're all just doing our best uh with the bandwidth that we have <laughs> <laughs> that is a good t-shirt we're all just doing the best Zoom should make that t-shirt right now. That should be like an official. That's really good, John. Oh, man. How's it going in Connecticut? We know Connecticut's one of the hot spots. How are you guys doing in your farm in Kent? Uh, so life in Connecticut is a weird juxtaposition of life as normal and life as completely abnormal. Where uh, uh, we have chicks coming in next. My pigs come back. The ducks are now out on grass. My egg layers are going to move from their winter position to their summer position. And uh, things are just getting up and going. And at the same time, I have a farm brewery. We're not just a farm. And a lot of my, my day job is doing brewery stuff and working with that in conjunction with the farm. And that has been turned on its head where our normal distribution channels are different. Our sales are different. And we, like everybody else, as a small business, as just general people, are adapting to COVID life now. Um, so we're, we're doing our best, keeping smiles on. The grass is growing, the sun is shining, and uh, looking for those bright spots um, outside of the normal news stream, <laughs> so to speak. One of the things you're covering right now on your channel that I think is really smart, and for those of you watching who do have some kind of homestead or farm business, is the ways that farms can adapt and shift right now. And, uh, you know... People still need food, but they're going to need to get it different ways. And so if you're interested, if you do have a farm business, tonight we're talking more about homesteaders and how we can prepare for our own families. But you should be checking out Johnny's. He's actually making videos again. I, I fade in and out. There's a lot to balance uh, between uh, farm marketing solutions and then just trying to be somewhat of a normal human being on a regular basis. Tonight we really want to talk about the reason you're here helping families get more prepared, helping families be more ready uh, for this 
issue, but you know, even long-term things that we can do. And of course we had you on here to talk chickens because that's what we, that's what we get you on the show for chickens. How are chickens a good solution to the preparedness problems that we face? You know, you introduced me that a lot of my content is about, uh, is business related, is about running a farm business, about farm marketing. The name of my company is Farm Marketing Solutions. It, if you don't think about your homestead and your family as a business, you'll never make it if you want to grow into something else. So when we, the way we run our house is the, uh, very similar to the way we run a, a company. There are decisions that we make. Our, our income is not infinite. So the choices we make on farm, the things we decide to grow, uh, the things that we decide to invest in, whether it's time, money, materials, manpower, um, all have to play out into our bottom line. And for our bottom line, it's not just money. You also have to be happy because if you're happier, you're going to be healthier. Approaching your business uh, or approaching your homestead like a business makes a lot of sense. Uh, Just the numbers and a little bit of the strategy is going to be different. And chickens play into that, that if you're going to get into livestock, they are the gateway drug to pasture livestock. Think of how much you have to invest with uh, raising an animal, caring for it, loving for it, worrying about it, and staying up at night, hoping that it's okay. And at the end of its life cycle, you will intentionally end that life cycle and then make something out of that that you are going to either consume yourself or share with others. And that is just an amazing journey to be on. And uh, as part of your homestead, chickens are that gateway. You know, chickens, you can you can hold them in your hands very easily. You can pick up a couple at a time if you need to. Uh, you can chase them down. Uh, they will cause you endless frustration. Endless frustration, but they are a great starting point. If you were going to learn about annual, animal behavior, what better to start with than tiny little dinosaurs, you know? You're, you're starting with these things that will find ways to get out of their enclosure. Uh, they will lay eggs everywhere. They will test how well you know a chicken, um, but they are not going to get out and eat all of the neighbor's garden. They're not going to get out and stop traffic necessarily. Um, <laughs> there's something you can fit in a small box if you need to. Um, and it, it just... It's a way to enter into livestock that makes it brings the whole rest of it into perspective. If you start with chickens, uh, you're going to be like, if I can do chickens, I can do pig. And if you're raising chickens and pigs, you realize that you're buying in a lot of grain. So you're going to move to animals that eat grass. And then you're going to start with sheep or goats or cows. Uh, and then you'll be harvesting the power of sunlight and putting it into protein, which is going to give you lots of calories to expend all that energy you're going to need to chase those chickens around the, the barnyard or homestead going forward. Chickens are, I mean, I, I can't, we always come back to, you know, Johnny, you're making videos on YouTube long enough. You start repeating yourself and you think about like, how can I come at this a new way? And, and beginner animals, how can I throw a fresh spin? And you just can't. Chickens are a great place to start. So if they are the perfect starting point, uh, a great step into more sustainability, a great step into being more prepared, Johnny, what do you suggest? Chicken, you've been doing chickens for years. You've been talking about chickens for years. What's the beginning starting point? What do they get? How do they start? So you have to determine if you want chickens for meat or for eggs. Um, Meat, chickens are actually a great way to start because if you're starting with Cornish Cross, Uh, you're only going to have them for two months and start to finish. 
uh, you can guilt-free have a batch of chickens that you figure out and go from the brooder to a full-grown bird uh, to dinner on your plate in two months, eight weeks, 56 days. Now, that is the shortest amount of investment you're going to make in any part of livestock, any livestock that you're going to have on your farm. For a cow, it's two years. For a pig, it's five to seven months. For an egg-laying chicken, it's about 16 to 20 weeks, depending on the breed, until till you get your first eggs. Ducks take, I think, five to seven months to get a first egg out of it. So with the broiler chickens, um, starting with one chicken tractor, a simple brooder in your garage, you can raise 25 chickens. And if you eat one chicken every other week for your family, that's your entire supply of poultry meat for an entire year. And that's something that you can do with minimal investment, get a feel for it, and know whether or not that's something you want to grow going forward. Uh, you have that small batch of birds and then next year, you know, you do 25 this year, maybe you do 50 or 100 next year because your friends, your family, your neighbors were interested and they want to buy a couple off of you. And maybe you stay at that scale, maybe you grow it. I have friends who have 10,000, 100,000, 350,000 broilers out on pasture in different size shelters. The journey is going to be different for each person, but the difficult part is taking that first step. And that first step is ordering your chicks saying, oh my goodness, I ordered chicks, we're into it now, and uh, just making those decisions along the way. We could try to sum up how to raise chickens uh, in this live stream, but based off of our internet quality and the fact that those resources <laughs> all exist, we're going to gloss right over it. I have 666 videos or 665 videos out on YouTube or something like that. Uh, so the information exists and it's all free and easy to see and watch. Uh, if you want to raise birds and those questions are answered. Um, but the, the big thing with all orchard, whether it's raising chickens, pigs, cows, whatever, once you start, you, you tailor your questions down from how do I raise chickens to what do I do about slip tendons and that, that leg that goes off to the side that I can't seem to solve. How do I reduce brooder mortality? How do I get more efficient feed conversion? All of that, language, that vocabulary, those specific questions come from experience and uh, from successes and failures. The only reason I would consider myself an expert is because out of our group here today watching on YouTube, I've probably killed intentionally and unintentionally more chickens than all of them combined. <laughs> um, and when you kill a chicken unintentionally, it, you do your research and you figure out how not to do that again. And that is how you grow as a person, that's how you grow as a homesteader, and that's how you grow as a farmer. That is so realistic. It's one of the things that people should know getting into livestock is you're going to make mistakes and things are going to die when they weren't, when you weren't planning on it. Um, and that is one of the ways that we learn. You don't get to be the old-timey homesteader or ye old farmer at the end of the road. You don't get to be that until you have done everything that guy did all those years. And a lot of us are getting into this really green. Me and John lived a very similar, we always joke that we were each other's doppelgangers, uh, right down to like <laughs> living like 20 minutes from each other and starting our farms about 20 minutes from each other. Uh, we both lived a very similar life, didn't start off a lifestyle in agriculture. Um, and yet we both dove in in different directions, but dove in, uh, you know, real deep. Um, and I love that point, John, about how you'll you're 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 
questions will focus and they will get really specific to the issues you're facing versus all these millions of questions that we could have right now of, well, what about this and what about that? Just getting some chickens and getting started will point you in the right direction. If someone is thinking about it, John, if, they, if they've been on the edge and now here they are, they're thinking, well, it'd be really good to have some extra meat in the freezer or it'd be really good to have a steady supply of eggs right now. Uh, do you have a good, um, you know, a, a good starting list for someone? Make sure you get this, make sure you get that. Uh, start with these kind of chickens or ordering them from here. Any suggestions for the person who's like right on the edge? I mean, you lobbed up a softball there, Austin. I appreciate uh -huh. that. Where uh, uh, I've written three books now. Do you have any um, books you know of that maybe you might? <laughs> there, there's a couple resources that I would recommend. Uh, one would be joining the American Pasture Poultry Producers Association or APPA, A-P-P-P-A dot org. Uh, I've also created a book, Stress-Free Chicken Tractor Plans, that will help you build your first chicken tractor. Uh, and that my first poultry packet, which is a workbook, uh, it's not a book that you just sit back and read, but it's something that makes you actually work. And I apologize for that. Um, but it will walk. walk you through. I mean, I can do this pitch for Johnny. I know I've been through these books. It'll it'll walk you through everything you need to know from, you know, how much you're going to spend on electric to fuel your heat bulbs. But I'm sure Johnny has a much more gonna concise cost you to, to the point. There he is. There he is. You're back. I was trying to do nope. the pitch for you, man, but you got a better, I, I know you got a better one than mine, but I did talk about how you talk about what light bulbs cost. I mean, your stuff is detailed. I know this. Restart. Tell us about the, the, uh, the packet. Number one. We'll just say that the books are properly plugged and advertised on farmmarketingsolutions.com in case I lose you in all this. And I don't want to turn the rest of my interview into just plugs because I have a, a wealth of resources for people and including the books, uh, YouTube videos, uh, about a hundred and something podcasts and a bunch of blog posts. Um, the last piece of advice that I would give for everybody is don't go it alone. When you want to start out on this, start telling everybody that you're going to do, I'm going to raise chickens. I'm going to raise chickens. I'm going to raise this many chickens. I'm going to raise chickens and kill chickens because that is something profound to say out loud if I've still got you on the YouTube live stream. And then when you do that, some of your friends, family, strangers are gonna come out of the woodwork and offer to help you. And I couldn't do what I do every day without my good friend, David, who's working with me on the farm every day, uh, without my neighbor, uh, MJ, without my wife and my kids, without my friends through APA, throughout my micro APA family, Heather and Mike and Joelle. The people that surround you when you start down something like this are going to support you and they're also going to keep you accountable to make sure that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And that makes you a more honest uh, person in the long run. And hopefully that all that went you, through. You got it all. <laughs> that was pretty good. There's, there's, one, there's one person above all that I have to thank and that is uh, one Austin Martin of Homesteady. Uh, I have two, I'm a fanboy of two homesteading channels right now, and I'm sorry for anybody else who's listening in, uh, but your homesteading channel and the fact that you got camels just <laughs> blows me away. And then one of the ones that me and my wife, Kate, watch together is uh, Morgan Shaw of Goldshaw Farm, because I just got uh, a couple ducks, like 15 ducks out on the farm just to try it out. 
and we're raising in them in my chicken tractors. And I watch Morgan's show because uh, he doesn't make claims like you can raise chickens on a dollar a day. And he doesn't say like there's no outlandish clickbaity nonsense between you and Morgan. You're just honest people giving a here's what we learned today and uh, here's what we can improve on and here's what we liked and uh, take with it, take from it what you will. And I appreciate that honesty in the homesteading community. Um, So we're all in this together and uh, that's the only way we're all going to succeed. If it weren't for the fact that Morgan was on the show like three episodes ago, I was going to get him back for this one. He, I totally agree. Um, Morgan is, I own, right now I own two other YouTube channel t-shirts. My son is wearing one right now. He can come over and show that one. Um, It was the one I was wearing earlier today during our sound check, but it was under my hoodie. So there's there's one of the t-shirts that I own. You might recognize that one. The other is Release the Quacken. I am definitely a Gold Shaw, Shaw Farm fan. Morgan, I totally back up what John said. So this became uh, check out John and check out Morgan. I think Morgan even stopped in and said hello in the uh, chat box. So Morgan, got, got hopefully he gets some viewers too from tonight. <laughs> I raise protein. My friends raise vegetables. Other friends have milk. Other friends have you know this, that, and the other thing, honey goats, whatever it is. And it's not just the actual food that you get out of it, but the knowledge as well. So that when you start raising chickens, you, you built yourself a Siskovich chicken tractor. You reach out to your friends who have done this before and you say, do I, I got to move it every day? How do I keep predators out? I had a raccoon attack last night and that community builds off of itself. And that over the long term, is how we feed the world, not over out of the farms that exist today statistically but the farms that will exist tomorrow as this whole movement grows johnny has been a huge motivating i used to listen to john you got it all in no you got it (laughs) Uh, johnny has been a motivating force in the small agriculture small farming world i used to listen to john's podcast before i even was friends with him i used to learn stuff from him if you haven't checked out John's channel, you'll learn a ton from uh, Farm Marketing Solutions. We have a link to his channel. Actually, I have a link to his website below because from his website, you'll find his books, you'll find his podcast, all the things. But he does have a good YouTube channel and he is making videos right now and they're really, uh, really fresh take on what he does on his channel. He's diving into real good farm marketing stuff. Um, there's a good episode on, on this toilet chart. paper that was timed poorly like another month later and that toilet paper video might have gone viral <laughs> right <laughs> they, uh, and I'm, I'm doing some experiments this year we're raising ducks chickens for eggs chickens for meat and turkeys all in my chicken tractors this year uh, and we're taking in-depth notes and I'm going to share all my spreadsheets so that is what we're going to be sharing throughout the YouTube channel the podcast and the blog this year uh, and I'm excited to do those experiments, especially in the, the case of all this, because like I said before, the first step is actually doing it. And then from there on, you're going to have very specific questions and there's a community of people to support you through APA, uh, through Farm Marketing Solutions. And we're here to grow together. The, our mission statement here at Farm Marketing Solutions is to inspire and educate the next generation of farmers. I couldn't do that without you. And I appreciate uh, everybody who's listening in right now. Thanks for being on the show, Johnny. Before you go, though, you do have a fan over here who needs a question answered. Come on over and get your answer. What's the issue you're facing? <laughs> yeah. 
We have Sussex. We have a, we're trying to get more Sussex eggs so that we can ha hatch out more Sussex. But we start we started to realize we're having egg eaters now. There the Sussex in the coops are starting to egg eat. So and now we butchered one of them. That <laughs> egg eaters must die. <laughs> egg eaters must. One of them got turned into a chicken pot pie. So and what do we do for the others? What do we do for the others? Cause we think they're starting to eat eggs now. All right. So Johnny, can you help us? What do we do about egg eaters? You'll have to listen in the headphones so you can hear Johnny's answer. Egg eaters on a small scale take some investment. You got to watch who's eating the eggs. Uh, who's got a little bit of egg residue on their beak walking around afterwards. To Johnny. One of the ways to avoid it is to collect your eggs regularly and uh, spend some time with your birds and see who's going in and out and doesn't need to be there. But also it is a very common practice to feed your kitchen scraps to your birds. Now, if you're feeding your eggshells to your birds and they still got a little bit of egg in them, you know, a little bit of that yolk, a little bit of that white, uh, they're going to associate that with food. So they're going to get into that and they're going to say, oh man, if I eat this, life is great. I'm going to eat some more of it. And then you get egg eaters. So uh, make sure you have free choice calcium so that they don't feel deficient in calcium where they have to eat the shells to get the calcium. You can get oyster shell at your local, you know, ag supply store. Um, keep an eye on those birds that are eating eggs and even if you don't want to butcher them right away because it's still a good bird, if you are able to set up a secondary area and quarantine them for a while, we're all familiar with quarantine at this point, um, <laughs> separate them off and, uh, you know, they lay their egg, take that egg out of there, make sure they don't eat it and help them break that habit. You know, if you don't want to break the bird, break the habit. Um, but it, it becomes an investment of time and how much time you're able to spend. If you, identify that egg eater it is a good move and it is appropriate to then turn that bird into a chicken pot pie but if it becomes systemic throughout all your birds you have to spend a little bit of time think about how the birds are acting uh how your eggs are laid and uh how much access the birds have to the eggs after they're laid uh and change up your system what do you one think? of the things you can do with oh, a little bit with a little bit of investment if your birds are laying in a box and those eggs stay in that box, they're going to have access to those eggs. But if you go to like bestnestbox.com, you can get a rollaway next box where the birds lay their egg, mm. it rolls out the back of the box, and then the chickens can't even get to it at all. So it'll cure your uh, egg eating problem. So it, it depends. Do you want to spend the money uh, buying new birds and raising new birds and training your birds in to lay eggs? Do you want to spend your time and effort and money quarantining your birds or do you want to spend whatever the the dollar amount is for like a rollaway nest box on best nest box it's a company that i happen to like we bought one of theirs we tried it on the farm worked out really well uh, where the eggs roll away the eggs are cleaner so you spend less time cleaning them uh, but also they're inaccessible to the chickens so it could help you solve that uh, egg eating problem well johnny gave you some good options i think you'll have to uh, put one into practice yeah what do you say thanks That's that's good to see you, bud. I'm glad you're on here. It, uh, that's the thing about teaching people about homesteading and about farming, about doing it myself. One, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know.
you do after that, what you do with that failure is how you define yourself. Do you keep failing and just say that I don't know how to do this? Or do you learn and grow from it, find the solutions, uh, iterate, and then get better over time? And for me, that grows a strong, uh, more self-sufficient person for when the road is rocky, you're able to keep home steady. Ah, like that. I see what you did there. <laughs> Johnny, I always love talking to you, man. We miss you. Johnny was one of my buddies. I would see him every couple of months down when we lived close by. It's been too long, man. We were talking about doing something this spring, but who knows? We will see you soon. We'll figure it out. You'll be my uh, quarantine break buddy. <laughs> I like it. Give your love to the family. Say hello to everybody. Drink one of those really good uh, local Kent beers oh man i'm thinking sweatpants right now that was my favorite oh good times good times yeah yeah you got two options kentfallsbrewing.com or farmmarketingsolutions.com you'll find me uh and doing what i love in either place uh i say just go to both of them why why choose one when you can do both (laughs) (laughs) john thanks for taking the time we are now approaching our last couple things we have planned for this show. One of them is a very big giveaway, something that people are fighting over right now. We're going to be giving away here on Homesteady. That's right. We have a toilet paper giveaway. In just a minute, we're going to bring on our next guests to talk about how you can win some of that white gold. Stay with us. That is the end of part one, but don't worry, part two is on the way. There's still a lot of good interviews coming in part two of Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared show, so stay tuned for that. I know you're going to enjoy it. And don't forget, if you want to get your Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared t-shirt, help spread the message of preparedness for tough times, uh, click right there and you can head to the Homesteady shop and check out our uh, our Homesteady t-shirts. So we thank you for watching this one, or if you're on the podcast, all the links are in the description below. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Part B will be coming out soon.